Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 182 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Baseball odds, football odds, hockey season right around the corner. They have it all, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. If you were betting on the Jays' run line, you came out ahead in this series as Toronto takes two of three in the Bronx. We started this series I think feeling pretty good about this team, Coombsy. Um, the Yank- Yankees fans, I should say, were sitting there going, ooh, this is our last chance. If we sweep Toronto, then we're only three back with three more games against them. It was nice to see Toronto just squish their playoff chances and their season and also keep themselves in the driver's seat of the wild card. It was two or three, but that series was a success, right? Yeah, as mediocre as the Yankees, the 2023 version of the Yankees are, I don't think going into Yankee Stadium and winning two or three games in a three-game set is ever just an automatic. So, I mean, the the vibes were good after sweeping the Red Sox at home and compensating for that shitty four-game Texas series, but you can never just say, oh, look, we're going to go into Yankee Stadium and beat the piss out of the Yankees in their own barn. That's not really a thing that happens. But then also simultaneously, it was pretty funny seeing all those fans be like, all it's going to take is sweeping Toronto at home and in Toronto, and then we can jump them in the standing. So good thing that's not going to be a narrative that we're paying attention to the rest of the way, because the Yankees or the Red Sox, either of those teams having life in the playoff race would be very annoying. Yeah, incredibly. And if you would have lost two or three here, all of a sudden you're facing a ton of pressure as you head to the trop, which is not what you would have wanted. Um, if people listening to this want a good follow on Twitter, go find at BJ Magic Number. I'm a big fan of the magic number thing this time of year and really counting down how many wins until you're guaranteed to get in. We knew going into this series against the Yankees that eight wins for the Jays in their final 12 would clinch seven would probably be good enough but eight is the number that no matter what else happens you're in so again you got to win two out of every three games they did that according to the magic number account if you take into account the fact that one of seattle or texas is guaranteed to lose at least four more games from now to the end of the year because they play each other that seven other seven times every single game for the rest or sorry it's it's six more of them between each other and then three against houston So there's always going to be a loser every day, no matter what. Yeah. So the six head to head games, there's guaranteed like one of those teams, the the worst is three and three, right? And they each kind of stay in the mix there. What I'm getting to say is the Jays magic number is now down to six. So that would mean Seattle and Texas perfectly split their series. And then 
They also sweep their other series, which is LA and Houston, like you said, and then the Jays don't win six games. Like you're starting to see that the math is really favoring the Jays is uh, what I'm getting at here. We'll talk a little bit about the playoff report with our guy, Brett, and a little bit, some other stories around the Blue Jays, but let's get into our three up, three down for this series in the Bronx. And we are starting with the good because the Jays took care of business in the first two games here. And let's give our first up to the pitching, Coombsy. You say Kikuchi with a really, really solid start to get this series rolling. And then Kevin Gosman follows it up by pitching six shutout innings in game two. It's uh, again, I think we kind of talked about this after the last series against Boston. Those two games feel like how the Jays will win in October. It'll be their pitchers go out and for five, six innings, they cruise. And then the offense just gets a couple of big hits. Yeah, that's that's I think we've mentioned this before a few times, but that's sort of the that's the blueprint for how the Jays will do well in October. If they do well, if they get there, of course, is they have the deep starting pitching. They have you're you're confident with pretty much any of those guys going into a playoff game, given the way they've pitched. I think, I mean, obviously Gosman's the one you feel the best about. And then Kikuchi Barrios have been good. Bassett's been good this year. Hyunjin Ryu has been pretty fantastic, surprisingly good since coming back from his Tommy John. But I think the thing that sets the Jays apart really is I I can't see a team in the American league with a deeper bullpen than they have. And you can really shorten up games for your starters. And I think that's going to be really important in October when it's cold in certain stadiums, think like a Minnesota place like that. Uh, As you get deeper into the playoffs and guys are burnt out, they pitched a lot. Look at Kikuchi in this start. He only has to go through five innings, one earned run comes out because he's got like a minor injury. It's just a precaution. They're comfortable doing a thing like that because you you can realistically bank on that bullpen. You can send out four or five guys to clear through the rest of the game. And that's what we saw after Kikuchi came out. They didn't have to have him. All right. You say go out and try and get us a couple more outs, even though you're feeling like, uh, you know, a little bit of a cramp or a little bit of a spasm in your neck. They don't have to do stuff like that because they have such a deep bullpen. And I mean, you can probably go and find other teams in baseball or even in the American League that you can line up against the Jays starting pitch. But I just I really don't see anyone who's got a bullpen as close to as good as the Jays have. Yeah, and that kind of bleeds into our second up here. We'll talk about the bullpen in just a second, but I wanted to stick on Kevin Gosman for a minute. Um, we talked coming into this, like, you know, blue sky. And, ooh, if, if the Jays light up Garrett Cole and maybe Gosman throws a gem, like maybe he can sneak into that, you know, uh, Cy Young spot. Probably not happening. But do you think Kevin Gosman, is he a lock to be a Cy Young finalist? I think he'll get votes by virtue of he's the ace on the Jays who are a team that are up there. They're, you know, they, I think the last time before the Yankees game, I think they were sixth in major league baseball and record. They're right up there. Third in the American league, hilariously behind two other teams in the East. But I mean, given that, yeah, you're the ace of a playoff team. You have the ERA right around 3.25, 3.3. It's good. You lead the American league in strikeouts by a decent margin. I think he's second in major league baseball behind only Spencer Strider. You'd think he'd be in there in the top three, like Garrett Cole obviously has this thing wrapped up. There's a, there's a, there's no doubt after that eight inning start against the Jays, in the series finale that he's wrapped it up. But I think we can probably see Gosman finish. I don't know if he'll finish second, but in the top three, I think is definitely a reasonable guess. That's for sure. 232 strikeouts on the year for Kevin Gosman, a career high for the Blue Jays ace. Uh, let's flip things over to the bullpen. You hinted at it, Coomzy. It's getting our second up and a big reason why it's been so electric as of late is the electric arm himself, Jordan Hicks. He has not allowed an earned run so far in September. This is the guy you give up a couple of solid prospects for. 
we knew coming into this experiment, if you want to call it that, just from hearing what Cardinals fans had to say, that it would be a roller coaster at times with Jordan Hicks. That's kind of what he's been like throughout his career. But right now we're at the high of that roller coaster. And if he can stay at that at this level for the next three weeks, that is very, very good for the Toronto Blue Jays. He's dialed in. He is. He looks really good and he throws. It's 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 always fun seeing him throw pitches that are like 102 or 103 miles an hour. But the difference now, I, I mean, I can't say that I sat down and watched a whole bunch of Jordan Hicks pitch for the Cardinals because that's just not a team I pay any attention to. But as you said, when you when you look at the the writing of Cardinals fans or their are their media, they talk about Hicks. They're like, this guy's got, you know, one of the best arms in baseball, but little little control. But the Jays have uh, dealt with pitchers like this in the past. Think about Robbie Ray when they got him from Arizona. He was walking like a batter per inning, no matter what. And they, they settled that down and he won the Cy Young the following year. You look at Jordan Hicks in the month of August after the trade, he pitched 11 and one third innings, allowed five earned runs, walked three guys, allowed a couple of homers this month in September. So far it's eight and two thirds innings, no home runs, only two walks, zero ERA. So it really feels like the command is significantly better. And that's really the key. It'll be, it'll actually be an interesting thing in the off season when, when, um, because Hicks is eligible eligible to become a free agent for the first time in his career. And this front office hasn't really shown an interest in like ponying up big dollars for a reliever, but Hicks is really good, man. And he's not that old. And it seems like given the way things are going this month, he works with the, the, the pitching staff quite well, like the coaches. So maybe he's a guy that they're going to throw some money at this off season. Who knows? He's a, he's definitely made, he, he's the piece that's made their bullpen feel significantly deeper. It feels like when he comes into games, he can pitch, he can get through anyone and he can pitch in any situation at any time, even for longer than an inning. And then it's, it's made the bullpen just so much deeper and so much longer. Yeah. And like, you're not just relying on Eric Swanson in every high leverage spot or Eric Swanson and Tim Mays. I should say in every high leverage spot in the seventh or eighth inning, you have this extra bullet in the chamber. Uh, yeah. He's only allowed four hits as well in eight and two thirds innings so far in the month of September. He's dialed in. I wonder how he'll approach free agency because there was a part of me that was like, okay, 27 years old. If you work well with this pitching staff or yeah, with this pitching staff and this pitching or the coaching staff, I should say, um, maybe you take like a two year deal in Toronto and see if you can become like an even bigger, bigger asset by age 29 and then cash in. But also with relievers being as yeah. volatile as they can be with pitchers, arms being what they are like, you never know when your arms just going to blow up. He's probably going to be chasing a pretty big bag. The fact he throws 102 and he does have some name value as well. He'll get he'll get paid this winter. Yeah, absolutely. He's I don't think he's going to get like an Edwin Diaz New York Mets contract, but you saw there was a lot of big contracts handed out last year's to relievers. It wouldn't be shocking to see Jordan Hicks get like 3 years, 15 mils a year, something like that. And I don't know if the Jays would pay that kind of price, but Hicks has been damn good so far, so trades worked out. Yeah, trade has worked out. Uh, let's get to our third up. And in both of the Jays' victories, it was Bo Bichette coming through with multi-hit efforts. He also hit a home run. Power has kind of dried up for Bo Bichette as of late. In his last 124 at-bats, he only has three dingers, but it was nice to see him hit one out, granted, in a Mickey Mouse ballpark in New York. I know we always have to throw that jab in there. Um, but still, Bo Bichette was looking good at the plate and a lot more comfortable than he was in in basically the 10 days since he returned from the IL or 15 days since he returned from the IL. Um, Bo's looking good. And if he can, again, get to the level he was 12 months ago, that is great news. 
Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I mean, Bo had a good first half of the season, slowed down a little bit after the all-star break in July into August. Then he got the injury, of course, uh, came back, um, did fine, didn't last for very long, went on the injured list again. And since he came back, I think that was his, the, the, the home run in the first game against the Yankees was his first since coming off of the IL for the second time. So that's obviously a positive sign for the Jays. But what I like even more for Bo is how good his defense has looked recently. There hasn't been a peep in the past, what, since he's been the, the whole month of September, really, there hasn't been a single peep about how ah, we, maybe we should move this guy to second base long-term. Like we haven't heard that. And we haven't heard that since what early in the season, last season, maybe there was people saying that in April and may, I don't know, but no one's talked about Bo's defense in quite some time. He's, he's really rounded into a, like a full complete shortstop. And that's great to see. I remember there was times last year, two years ago where we, both of us, we were feeling pretty, pretty adamant that this guy needs to be moved to second. And they, they, they stuck with him at that position. And he's gotten monumentally better. Like he's, there was, it, it looked for a time that he was going to be a bat first, glove second. Like a, your bat compensates for your glove because the glove is bad. Shortstop. And we were like, if he can just be average, then that'd be great. And he's well above average defensively now, in my opinion. He he, he makes a lot of really good plays, just um, like some game-saving plays for the pitchers too. Think back to that Boston series in New York. He had some good stabs at shortstop. It's really turned into a complete player. And uh, this is, it'll be interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the offseason if there's any talk about the long-term extension at all. Um, given the season Vladdy's had, it's, it's hard to imagine there'll be too much talk about a long-term deal there. And of course, Alec Manoa, we'll get to this later, but that's completely off the table <laughs> now so of those three young guys your three young core guys Bo's the one who's you know kind of put put it all together the most so it'll be interesting to see this offseason if 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 that's again a discussion or if they just you know ride that three-year no arbitration contract and just see what happens when he reaches free agency it'll be interesting Quickly on the defense side of things, it's almost like he was a 23, 24 year old big leaguer and we should have been more patient <laughs> the defensive side of the game. Like that always seems to come second with these young players. Um, but it's great to see him figure that out. Um, and then also just quickly on the offense, we touched when we were previewing this series, you know, Vladdy in a way carried the offense through that Boston series. And we talked about how Bo and Springer had really, really cooled off. And if those two could get rolling, the offense is that much more impossible to stop. And in that series, George Springer also in the two wins had two multi-hit efforts as well. So that those top two bats in the order appear to be heating up. So hopefully they can keep that rolling. Springer finished the series with a total of five hits as well. He came around to score four times in that series. So top of the order got the job done. That is fantastic. Um, the Jays win two of three. That is fantastic. But there are a couple of downs from this series. And the first one, I guess, is just the third game and getting shut down by Garrett Cole. It's on one hand, you kind of sit there and you're like, God, like the bats cool off again after they had started to show signs of life in the first two games. On the other hand, Garrett Cole's winning the Cy Young. He makes really good teams look really, really bad. You would have loved to see them generate a little bit more, but I I wasn't exactly sitting there watching the game going, oh, classic Blue Jays. I was more like, holy shit, Garrett Cole's dicing. Yeah, he was. No, I, I, I didn't sit there and think, oh, man, the Blue Jays are putting up a pathetic effort against Garrett Cole. It was, okay, Garrett Cole recognizes that he's the 
odds on favorite. He's cruising towards the first ever Cy Young of his career. It's right there. You know, he, there's, there's an argument that maybe he should have won it in 2021 for Robbie Ray. It was a coin flip. The voters went with Robbie Ray. Yankees fans were pretty pissed off about it. I imagine Garrett Cole wasn't too thrilled about it himself. So he had a pretty ho-hum middle of the road season last year in 2022, like a 350 ERA. And this year he's been fantastic and it's right there within reach. All it's going to take is two good starts at the end of the year to lock this thing up. And that's pretty much what I saw from him on the mound. He was like, the Cy Young is a few feet away and I'm reaching for it. And the Jays just didn't have an answer for that, but I'm not going to, it's not like this is, this is the curse of Ryan Mallet or Merritt or whatever situation where JP Sears or Ken when to Chuck while the Chuck on Oakland is, is coming out and dicing you up. It's this is Garrett Cole. If there's, if there's one starter in major league baseball where you can sit back and just be like, ah, doesn't matter. It's Garrett Cole beating the wheels off of you. But this will also circle back to one other thing is um, we all had a fun time. It was, I think it was over the off season when, when Alec Manoa made those comments about uh, I kind of started that little rivalry with Garrett Cole about what was it meeting him at the Audi sign or something yeah. in Yankee stadium. There was an advertisement on the field, meet me there and we can throw down maybe giving that guy more motivation and bulletin board material to hate your team and want to beat them. Isn't the best idea. Maybe they need to stop doing this stuff and stop giving opponents reasons to hate them because uh, Miracle is already good enough on his own. You don't need to piss him off. That's fair. I uh, remember our friends at Botano last episode, we talked about how it was like minus 20,000 for Garrett Cole to win the Cy Young. Uh, Botano's now called the race. They've pulled off odds. So even <laughs> if you wanted to bet 20 grand to win like 30 bucks, Botano's like, no, we're not even letting you do that. Uh, so yeah, Garrett Cole appears to have the Cy Young locked up after that start against the Jays. Uh, the second down we have is the fact that Vladdy appears to be a little bit banged up. I'll take the positive spin on this. He was able to come out and pinch hit in that third game. So maybe it's not all that bad for Vladdy. And here's my take and the question I'll throw to you. Let's just DH him the rest of the way. His glove has not been exceptional this year. Brandon Belt's not healthy. So you don't need that DH spot really for anyone else at the moment. And Kevin Biggio appears to be filthy at first base. That catch he made in the first game was just nasty. Um, Vladdy should DH the final nine games. That's my take. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, Brandon Belt might be off the injured list at some point. I think he's eligible to come off during the Tampa series or after the Tampa series. So maybe they'll have a veteran first baseman there. Maybe not. But if not, like you said, there's Biggio has been fantastic at the position that 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 catch he made on the line drive uh, was 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 one of the nicest catches I've seen a Blue Jay make in the season. It was hit over 100 miles an hour right at first base, just dives and snags it. Spencer Horowitz, I think, is a perfectly fine first baseman as well. So there's obviously options. But uh, I guess circling back to Vladdy and the knee issue is uh, there hasn't been really like a, a, like a like a firm kind of statement saying that he's been dealing with this all season, but you have to think that like, since remember all the way back in May when they were playing the Yankees at home in Toronto and he fielded that pop-up like halfway between first base and home plate, and then was kind of bouncing around and favoring his knee after, I think he sat out a couple of games after that. And earlier in the month, he had also been dealing with a wrist issue. He missed a couple of games when they were in Pittsburgh facing the pirates since getting, um, since, since suffering that whatever knee injury, whatever you want to call it against the Yankees, He's back in May. His OPS since then is 734. And before then, Vladdy was fantastic in April. He was 
he looked the best he had looked since his near MVP 2021 season. So you have to wonder, has he gone through this whole year just dealing with some nagging thing in his knee that that's taken away his power? Like think, think back to when Aaron judge had the toe injury and people are like, what do you mean? It's toe injury. How could it make that much of a difference? But he can't put the right amount of like weight and strength down on his foot when he's making that swing. So I wonder with Vladdy, um, is it that since he has this knee issue, he can't make his power drive. He's not hitting balls as hard as he used to. Like he's still drilling balls into the ground, but we're back to kind of the launch angle thing. And I wonder if it's, you know, we've, we've spent, everyone spent so much time talking about, is it, you know, the, the pitching or the hitting coaches telling him to do this? Is it, he's dealing with pressure. He's trying too hard. Is it blah, blah, blah. I don't know. The, the more I look at it, the more I think it just comes down to this nagging knee injury he's been dealing with. Fair enough. Uh, to wrap up this series against the New York Yankees, we got to see the major league uh, major league debut of Cameron Eden, who came on to pinch run in the series finale. Uh, the thing I love about these stories, 25 years old, gets his contract purchased, gets called up. Um, he's going to make if he stays up for the remainder of the regular season, which I guess isn't a lot he'll make $42,000 in this final little stretch of baseball. And like, I've talked to a few guys who've done the NHL minor league thing. And a couple of guys who've gotten called up for like three weeks in a season. And they're always like, Holy shit. Like I made $70,000 playing in the American league. I got called up for three weeks and I made 180 grand. And they talk about like, what a, like, I mean, you can tell it's just such a big deal, right. To like, get that big chunk of change. So similar thing for Eden. I'm sure he was making like whatever, 80, 90 K in the minors. You come up for three weeks, make a cool 42 grand. It's always a nice story. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a well-deserved call up too. Like he doesn't, he doesn't hit much. He had in, uh, in Buffalo, um, uh, 687 OPS, 257 batting average. So not terrible, but not much of a hitter. But look at his um, his stolen bases are, are crazy. Yeah. 53 stolen bases for the Bisons. Only caught four times last year between um, low A, high A, and double A. He stole um, where to go 36 bases and only got caught five times. The year before that, 30 caught two. So this guy can swipe bags and we've said our, I've said that the, uh, the formula for the Jays winning in late September and October is going to be great pitching and hitting bombs. But we all remember the 2015 Kansas city Royals. And every time Terrence Gore or Gerard Dyson would be on first base and they were automatically at second in the ninth inning and how that would change things. So the Jays have their version of that. Um, maybe it, I, I hope we do see him, him swipe some important bases and key situations down the stretch here. That's always a fun element of baseball. The Jays have said they were going to do that a lot this year, a lot of running, but it doesn't seem like they really have. It doesn't seem like they have in September. That's for sure. Terrence Gore has, it's some crazy stat that I'm trying to find where it's like, he has more world series rings than he does like playoff hits or world series hits or something like that, because he kept getting on these teams and being kept on as just a pinch runner. Um, yeah, sorry. So he has two postseason plate appearances and he has three World Series rings in his career. That's the kind of career I'd like to have where you're just chilling on the bench, being one of the guys. And you just kind of know, like around the sixth, seventh inning, you're like, okay, I got to stretch my legs a bit. I might need to run at some point here. And, you know, you like you don't need batting gloves or anything. You don't need a glove. You're just all good. Um, yeah, you just need to put on that long oven mitt that they wear yeah. so that it's like easier to swipe second base. His stall in the locker room is just like one of those in his uniform. And like, that's it. Um, all right, let's, uh, no let's keep moving along here. Um, get into a few other things here before we take a break. Um, Kevin Kiermaier had an interesting comment uh, at the end of this series here where he talked about how much he likes playing on grass after playing on turf 
his entire career at the Trop and now in Toronto. He also talked about how he'd be open to staying in the AL East and signing in New York. Have you accepted or are you willing to accept that this Kiermaier thing was a one-year experiment, Coombsy? I think that's reasonable because, I mean, Kevin Kiermaier has had a fantastic year this year and he's been healthy largely all year. And I mean, he was only able to get the the one year, I think, $10 million deal in free agency last winter because it had just been so many injuries and nobody was going to give him more than one year. The Jays took the gamble and it worked out really quite well. But the other thing is, is that the Jays paid this significant price to acquire Dalton Varsho to essentially become what Kevin Kiermaier was for the Rays, a very good defensive outfielder who can provide something with the bat. We'd like to see Varsho produce more offensively last year, but ultimately it's all about the glove and the outfield. So Varsho spent a year working with Kevin Kiermaier, learning how to be the new Kevin Kiermaier. And I think it's time to let Varsho move into center field. So I would imagine that Kiermaier is a one and done with the Blue Jays. I kind of figured that would be the case with Brandon Belt as well. There's a lot of young guys coming up who will be pushing for spots in the Jays next year. Um, The Kevin Kiermaier experiment has gone as well, if not better than you ever could have imagined. And personally, honestly, I wouldn't blame the guy if he wanted to play on real grass, like dealing with the trop in the Rogers center for a decade, man, like (laughs) you want to be able to go through the rest of your life, not having, you know, debilitating ankle and knee and whatever other injuries involved with diving onto concrete. So, I mean, I, I I wouldn't blame the guy whatsoever. If he suits up for the Yankees next year, sure. Totally reasonable. You were a great blue Jay for the one year and we'll, we'll, we'll appreciate that. The only thing, like, again, it's probably too early for us to be forecasting next season's roster or whatever, but you do look and you'll have Springer and you'll have, uh, you'll have Varsho in the outfield. You talked about the young guys coming up. I just see a lot of infielders though, right? Like Spencer yeah. Horowitz, Addison Barger, Alevis Martinez. Like, I do wonder if Kiermaier's not there and if you don't bring back Whit Merrifield, you know, maybe they think they can turn Davis Schneider into a full-time outfielder, but I just, it's interesting to see that a lot of their young guys are infielders and they might be losing some depth with Merrifield and Kiermaier in free agency. I think one thing for the Jays to consider as well is they leaned in this year really heavily on the defense in the outfield. And I think maybe you can stand to have your left field spot be weaker defensively and better offensively. Like, Hey, there's two guys that that we're familiar with who are becoming free agents this off season to Oscar Hernandez and Lord is Gurriel jr. Maybe they'll fit in those spots. Right? Maybe the Jays can add a big bat to, uh, you know, you got Marsho patrolling center field. He compensates defensively and you got Gurriel right next to him. Jeez. Maybe that would have been a really good platoon. I don't know. <laughs> oh boy. All right. We'll talk about that when the time comes. Uh, let's talk about the Alec Manoa drama. I'm going to ask you a really fucked up morbid question. All right. Who has a better chance of pitching for the Jays next year, Mitch White or Alec Manoa? Well, the way it's going right now, it looks like uh, Mitch White should be added to the 40-man roster today because what was his, his outing in AAA for the Bisons um, yesterday on Thursday? Uh, what did he pitch? Four innings, and I think he struck out 10 or 11 guys over his last few starts with the Bisons. He's been fantastic. They've done something where Mitch White's figured out his command, and he's the when they traded for him last summer from the Dodgers, the, the hope was you can be Ross Stripling 2.0. You can be that swingman in our rotation who pitches a couple innings out of the bullpen and if that works then that's great but circling back to the other side of this whole situation is Alec Manoa and there's more and more information slowly leaking out and this is the 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 unfortunate worst case scenario that we were all hoping wasn't the case when we were talking about it and we were giving him the benefit of the doubt is right now it kind of appears as though the big man is doctor shopping 
looking for someone to say that he's injured so that he can file a grievance with Major League Baseball and have it so that he receives service time while on the injured list rather than having been optioned down to Buffalo. So he's put he's gotten shots put into his arm now to numb some pain he had been dealing with. And that's that's officially ended his season. Everyone knows the season's been done ever since that first that first piece of news came out that it had been two weeks since he had pitched and he hadn't reported to Buffalo. Everyone knows the season's been done since then. But as time's gone along, it, it really is starting to look now that this is the Blue Jays and Alec Manoa are going to go to war about service time. He he wants the full year. He doesn't want to have been sent down for performance. He's saying that this was an injury so that he can get that full year of service time. When, you, when you're on the injured list, it, it counts as though you're on the active roster, but that's not the case when you're in Buffalo, of course. So to me, that's what it looks like he's doing. I, I, I tried to give him the benefit, benefit of the doubt earlier. It's kind of hard to do that now. Yeah, it is. Um, it's kind of a shame that this is turning as ugly as it is because, what, six months ago, he's the opening day starter and we're all fired up to see if he can build on a Cy Young finalist year. And I mean, just not in a million years could you have predicted that this season was going to go this way for Manoa. I don't think I'm ready to say and I saw a few people, mainly the hot take artists on Twitter doing the whole like he's done like you move them this winter for whatever you can get. I generally think it's pretty stupid to move players when their values at their absolute lowest. But at the same time, if someone wants to come around and say, nope, that's a reclamation project we're willing to pay a hefty price tag for, then you probably do consider it this winter. It sucks that there's this much drama around it. But also I'm somewhat of a believer, especially in sports that time can heal all wounds. Like maybe you just need to let him go away, talk to whatever doctors he wants to talk to, let him cool off. We know he's a fiery individual, let him cool off until January. And then maybe after a few months of sitting around in the off season, he'll sit there and be like, you know what? I'm ready to compete. I'm done with this shit. It was born out of a place of frustration, which I think you could understand to some extent. And he's a young guy who maybe hasn't quite learned how to be a professional yet. I don't know. I think there's room to mend this relationship is my point. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think everyone, I think there's this validity in being disappointed with the way that this has gone on. Uh, it's disappointing to see that he wasn't, I guess, willing to go down to Buffalo and be ready to be the sixth starter, especially when you see, look at the first game, you say Kikuchi suffers a, a little minor injury. What if that was worse? Uh, are the Jays doing what? Trevor Richards and Bowden Francis? Are they re-adding Mitch White to the 40? Like, what are they doing? It's, 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 a, it's a pretty shitty situation for them to be in. So it's unfortunate the player has done this, but I do agree with you it's it's we have to be reasonable here with a the dude in his mid-20s who i think think about the start of the the season and what he had accomplished in 2021 and 22 as he landed in the big leagues and did so well and saw so much success and you know he was getting that spot on mlb network uh he was the face of the blue jays pitching staff debatably the, the face of their entire team he was such a big personality you can just see the millions upon millions of dollars you're gonna make right in front of your face and then 10 15 terrible starts later it looks like that's disappearing and then he goes down to florida does the work comes back up has some decent starts think about that that starting against detroit that was a really good outing uh think about the one in boston that was a, a huge outing for the jays at that time and there was a few bad outings mixed in there too but Ultimately, what it came down to was Hinjin Ryu came back and he was killing it and somebody had to go down and that's just the way it is. And as much as Alec Manoa would like to be a super two arbitration um, player, 
uh, sooner or so that he can reach arbitration sooner. It's not necessarily how it works when you're playing for a competitive ball club. Like things are different if you're playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates and none of the games matter. And, you know, you can bomb to free agency as quickly as possible because that's just how it works. But it's different when you're playing for a team like this, because there's only so many guys in your roster who can go down and you can only have, well, now it's 28, but you could only have at that time, 26 guys in your roster. So Hopefully the, uh, like you said, time heals all wounds and this is fine. I don't think knowing this front office that the Jays are going to be in a rush to trade Alec Manoa for nothing just to get rid of him. I, I'd be shocked if they did that. I think him coming back in spring training with a big chip on his shoulder, ready to prove everyone wrong and show everyone that he's the ace and he shouldn't have been sent down. If, if he comes in with that chip on his shoulder, maybe it just works out. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he's one of those guys who needs to be motivated by anger or frustration or things like that. And everything's just going to work out, but we'll see. There's probably a whole bunch more information left to come out about this whole situation. And we'll be talking about this plenty over the next few months. <laughs> yeah, it will probably be the story that dominates the winter for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, let's t- step aside and take a quick break before digging into what's going on around the rest of the American League. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Back on episode 182, brought to you by Batana. We'll have the odds for the Jays series against the Rays in just a second. But first, let's take a look at the AL wildcard standings and bring in our boy, Brett Holden. Brett, what happened on the out-of-town scoreboard? Was it good or bad for the Bluebirds? Well, this uh, report is kind of slowly materializing to the AL East report, the AL wildcard report. Now it's the AL West report. So let's just all talk about the AL West team, starting off with the Houston Astros, who sit on top of the AL West right now by a half game after they just played the Baltimore Orioles in three-game series. Losing two of those three against the Orioles, they did take the series. Series finale, excuse me, two to one. Now their next series is against the Kansas City Royals. But we spoke about last time the Houston Astros playing against teams like the the Royals, like the Athletics. 
Not exactly a good story. The last time these two teams played, the uh, Houston Astros lost two of the three games they played. Now for the Houston Astros, Michael Brantley, who did come back from shoulder surgery from August of 2022. He made his return in August 29th of this year and has now kind of been back and forth into the uh, lineup. He's been out since Wednesday with uh, shoulder soreness, so general shoulder soreness it seemed like it was a big bat or potential big add again to this lineup but if he's out shoulder injuries especially for baseball are not easy so let's move on to the seattle mariners now two teams also that are tied for the exact same spot so let's start with the mariners who are tied for the wild card spot and a half game back of the toronto blue jays they just played luckily the oakland athletics and swept those athletics as well five nothing seven two six three they took them to town now their next series as you guys have mentioned is the first of seven for the rest of the uh, season between these two the seattle mariners and the texas rangers who are also tied with the seattle mariners and are also a half game back of the toronto blue jays they're coming off of the series against the boston red sox where after losing the first game of the series four two they go on to win game two six to four and then game three 15 to five. So the bats were getting going for the Rangers here. Now, as mentioned, they have the Mariners coming up next. I found these uh, odds to reach the postseason from fan graphs for each of these AL West teams. The Astros are currently sitting at a 90.8% chance to make the postseason. The Seattle Mariners with a 60.7% and the Texas Rangers at 64.6. Now, with all that being said, the Blue Jays do have the tiebreakers on, well, one of those teams, and that is the Houston Astros. Other than the Houston Astros, they do have or the Texas Rangers and the Seattle Mariners currently hold the uh, tiebreakers over the Toronto Blue Jays. There you go. Thanks, Brett. Of course. It's interesting, Coombsy. It's interesting. Our friends at Botano, they have the Jays and Astros as the two that are most likely to get into this thing because the Jays are like minus 650 now to make the postseason. The Mariners and Astros or Mariners and Rangers, if you can pick which one is going to miss, you're getting it at plus money over on Botano. It's interesting. We're really hoping, though, Coombsy, like one of Seattle or Texas, if they can dominate this final seven, like win six of seven, win five of seven, that does a lot for the Jays and their playoff chances. Yeah, I think that's what we need is one of Seattle or Texas beat the wheels off of the other one. Houston losing would help, too, because the Jays own the tiebreaker against the Astros from winning the season series against them. Uh, The other thing to consider if a Texas or a Seattle does like a six and one against the other one. So one of them gets knocked down. You're not worrying about them being a playoff team, and that's great. But then it also means that given that you're playing Tampa six more times, you're probably not going to run the table here. So that would help the Jays finish probably in the third wildcard spot, which I think is where we want them to wind up, but things are getting a little tighter now. And Minnesota's uh, <laughs> the team that we've made fun of all season for just being a default playoff team is now kind of zooming towards uh, potentially getting a buy through the first round, because I think they're only four games back of the, of the Astros now three or four games back. So entirely possible that the winner of the AL central is actually better than the winner of the AL West. Oh yeah. Four, four games is a big gap to make yeah, up though, in the final nine or 10, depending on how many games in hand. Uh, 
I think it's in like I just can't wrap my head around this AL West playoff race because like one of Seattle or Texas, you're sitting there, you're one half a game back of the top spot in your division and getting a bye through round one, but you're also tied and could miss the playoffs in the snap of your fingers. Like it's crazy how tight this is. I yeah, it's wild. It's also hilarious that again, like Minnesota would be three and a half games out of a playoff spot. If the MLB just did a straight conference format for the playoffs, like if they just did top six teams in the American league, make it like no one from the central would be getting in, which I continue to find hilarious. Um, But yeah, we're hoping for someone to dominate this series. I have a tough time handicapping this one. Uh, They each won. I mean, the Rangers won two in a row. The Mariners have won three in a row. Now this series is in Texas. So maybe you give a bit of an edge to the Rangers to start this thing off. But like, do you care if either one of them dominates, are you rooting for either one in this? No, I don't care. I, I don't really have, I don't have angst against either of the teams. I don't know. I cheer for Seattle, maybe because of the old beef with the Rangers. I, I honestly, I don't really care personally. I just hope it, I just hope it's lopsided. I hope one team beats up the other team and it's six and one and it's not three and you know, four and three so that the Jays, uh, there's a lot more room for error and there's no stress down the stretch. They can, you know, rest starting pitchers, organize things the way they want in that last series against Tampa. I just really don't want that series against Tampa next weekend. The one in Toronto, the season ending series to mean anything. I want that just to be like three games for the fuck of it. You know, what's concerning though, is that the Rays are now suddenly only one and a half back of the Orioles. So now you're looking at a Rays team that suddenly is playing for something. I was kind of hoping Baltimore would keep pulling away with it and the Rays would be sitting here in these final few going, okay, we're kind of locked into the wild card spot. We don't have a ton to play for. That's not the case. Tampa Bay's calling up top prospects and things like that. Like Tampa has a ton to play for, which again is concerning. You're going to the trop to play a Rays team that is eyeing up the top spot in the division. Yeah, the last thing I just talked a while ago about the Jays not needing to motivate their opponents any more than they already do. And going up against a motivated Tampa Bay Rays team is not ideal. It's it's interesting, uh, given how many injuries Tampa has to their starting rotation that they're they're doing what they're doing but their bullpen has been like i said earlier that there's nobody with a better bullpen in the american league than the jays and of course the team that's probably right there is the race i kind of forgot about that but yeah this is uh so you're gonna get the first game is gonna be chris bassett going up against tyler glass now their ace then it's hyunjin ryu versus zach little and then it's yusei kikuchi again versus taj bradley We think it's going to be Kikuchi. He expects to make his next start after dealing with those muscle cramps, but not a guarantee. Looks probable. So I don't know. Looks uh, it's it's not an easy series, but I don't know if the Jays. I don't I don't see it's not impossible for them to go into Tampa and win two or three. They're not going to sweep Tampa at the tropics. It's impossible. But what's not impossible is winning two out of three here. I I think. Tyler Glasnow in his last two starts has thrown ten innings and given up ten earned runs. There you sure. go. There's a That's chance. And like you said, Bassett, Ryu, Kikuchi for the Jays. So no Kevin Gosman in this series. But if you're the Jays, you get him again for the next series against New York. Um, are you at all tempted to manipulate the rotation if you say Kikuchi can't go? Like, would you start pitching guys on short rest considering how much is at stake? Or would you go bullpen game? Oh, geez. That's yeah, that's a really tough one. If, if you say Kikuchi's not, I don't I don't think. 
leaning into the bullpen like that's the best idea, but they do have an off day on Monday. So I don't think it's impossible. I actually don't think the idea of adding uh, Mitch White back to the 40 and having him come up to pitch three innings is the worst idea, given the way he's gone in Buffalo. So that would probably be my move. Maybe you move Manoa to the 60 or something and open up the 40 man roster spot to bring Mitch White back. That would be such a funny thing, man. Like we, when he got DFA, everyone's like, finally, this guy's so bad. And then, eight starts in triple a later he just comes back and is good that would be uh that would be a storyline that nobody saw coming well so the interesting thing here the reason i want to bring it up if you skip kikuchi's next start and his neck cramps are not good that means you could go with gosman in the opener against the yankees and then if kikuchi returns to make one more one two three four you could have gosman on regular rest for the regular season finale So you could either, if you need him in a must win, you have Kevin Gosman. You don't need him and you've already clinched. Call up Mitch White, do whatever, don't care. Pitch me in the regular season finale. And then you could have Gosman ready to go for your first playoff game, which would be big. So I don't know, man, I'm kind of sitting here. It'd be very hard to sit down Yusei Kikuchi and be like, we're resting you. Like, come on, don't make this start. But it would make things line up a little bit better because you could potentially milk one more Gosman start out of this stretch drive. Honestly, not a bad idea. It's uh, it's definitely something to consider. I think I think Mitch White's pitched well enough in AAA that it's it's something to look at. It's not crazy. It's not impossible. You've also got uh, Ricky Tiedemann's in AAA now. He's going to make his AAA debut for the Bisons here on Friday. So, nice. eh, eh, open arm. Eh. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, like I said, they called up Junior Caminaro before this uh, infield prospect, one of their best prospects. He's making the leap straight from double A. This dude's not going to play in triple A. He's coming straight to the majors. So knowing the Tampa Bay Rays, this guy's going to hit two home runs in this first series against the Jays and make like three unbelievable plays in the infield. That's just how it seems to work. That's how it always works. No matter what happens to the Rays, you have a pitcher's arm fall off because they've thrown too many max effort pitches. You have your star shortstop get involved in whatever Wander Franco was doing. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's another one there. It's, 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 it's mind numbing that the Rays have this farm system depth. It's, it's infuriating. It's, it's very frustrating. I really don't, I really don't want the Jays to face the Tampa Bay Rays in the first round of the playoffs. Again, I don't want to deal with like the 2020 style slog at the drop. I just, Oh, I don't want to deal with that. Hopefully the, I don't know, maybe Tampa Bay. I would honestly probably rather face Baltimore in the wild card round than Tampa. Also, uh, how did Tampa Bay get another top infield prospect? You may ask. They acquired him from Cleveland for a pitcher who I think is like struggling in the minors now. Like it's just the dumbest trade imaginable. Anyways, uh, we've gone pretty long on today's episode. Two or three for their Jays is the goal as they head to the trop and look to inch that much closer to clinching a playoff spot. Shout out to Botano. Shout out to our boy, Brett. And you as well, Coombsy. Enjoy the baseball this weekend. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.